guys, this is Dr. Vita Bland. We thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on It's a Matter of Your Health, the 30-Minute Health Magazine. Well, today we're really talking about something that I feel very passionate about. If you will remember last week, we talked about ageism and how important that is. Well, today we're going to talk about the elderly again and how they are affected by the law. As people get older, unfortunately, they may need assistance in learning how to take care of themselves from a legal point of view. They may need assistance in learning how to make sure their assets are protected, to make sure that they have uh, finances to take care of themselves as they get older, and to maintain their housing. And not always do people have things in place. We would hope people do, but not everyone does. To that end, we would like to welcome to our microphones today two people. First of all, Mrs. Eileen McGinnis, who is an old friend of ours. She uh, has a BA. Uh, she's certified dementia educator and trained her in elder care uh, navigator and an old friend of ours in uh, talking about Alzheimer's. Uh, Mrs. McGinnis, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me here today again, Vita. All right. And our new friend today is Mr. Michael Castrolo. Mr. Castrolo is an attorney. He is with Elder Law Firm, and he is here to help us understand some of the things that the elderly may be going through. Mr. Castrolo, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be here with you all. Thank you. So, Mr. Castrolo, let's first start by talking about what is elder law. I'm sure it's different from all kinds of real estate law or, you know, uh, other types of law. It's, it's a real specialty, isn't it? It is. Uh, so elder law is, a, is it really is an umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different practice areas. So I might do a lot of, um, I might dive into real estate. I do um, estate planning. I might end up doing um, some family law a little bit. Um, so we, it really encompasses a lot of different things, a lot geared toward um, the aging population and what their needs are because they are pretty pretty niche con- con- compared to younger people who may not have um, the concerns about long-term care or Medicaid and that kind of thing. You know, one of the things I think about, though, is the elderly can be taken advantage of so easily, it seems. We hear about scams all the time, and I worry about the elderly and scams. I've seen some of my patients, unfortunately, go through some scams, and they've lost a considerable amount of funds and things of that nature, and then they don't know who to trust when they are trying to make any decisions about their lives or anything. Absolutely. I see that a lot, too. Um, In my experience, there's no substitute for education. Um, So the more information that's out there about these scams or about how to protect yourself from the scams, I think is great. Um, We do see a lot of um, elderly people who just unfortunately fall victim to those scams, um, often because they don't have someone looking out for them or because um, they just see the scam as something that could be legitimate and they don't have anyone in their corner to to really investigate that for them and let them know, hey, you might want to be mindful of that. That's not a good avenue to go down. Um, And so I like to see my role as an elder law attorney as somebody to kind of 
be a stopgap, someone who's available to to at least offer some information for folks so that they can avoid um, those nasty pitfalls later. When we think of elder law, so do I have to wait till I hit 65 before I call your number or what? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Uh, So I love working with younger people um, because I like to think of estate planning or any kind of planning that might lead the long-term care planning as lifelong planning. Um, So the younger you are, as long as you're an adult, I'm happy to start working with you. Even I would even impress upon you to start working with me sooner um, because then that gives me the greater ability to look at your situation and see, here's this path ahead. Let's, let's see if we can get on this path and how we can best meet your goals later for if you do need some kind of long-term care or when you retire and that kind of thing. But I want to be honest do the majority of your patients start younger or do the majority of your patients start after they've gotten into a little trouble? Most of my clients are people who have gotten, in, gotten themselves into a little bit of trouble um, or they, they're in a crisis situation and they need me to kind of fix it. Um, very rarely do I see folks who are proactive in planning and I would love to see more folks who are on that side of things. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind talking to us, tell me how you decided to get it, go into this type of law. Well, I, um, I decided to get into elder law when I was in law school. I worked for a nonprofit that focused heavily on um, protecting the aging population through guardianships. And so that was really interesting to me. And I just kind of kept up with that post-law post school. And it just, it's, it's been an interesting area for me because there's so much you can do. And it encompasses so many different practice areas that it allows me to be fully creative um, in how I can help folks and, and protect their assets. I see. So you, you keep saying that it encompasses a lot of different areas. Help me out with that, because I don't know enough about law to know what all these areas are. Right. No problem. So everyone has the idea if you are selling a house or you need to buy a house, you know, you need to go see a real estate attorney. Um, Or if you're getting a divorce or what have you, you need to go see a family law attorney. Well, an elder law attorney can encompass all of those different things. So I do a lot with real estate if someone is concerned about protecting their house um, from Medicaid. Or maybe I might dive into the family law arena if I need to get guardianship of somebody. Um, That's more of a family law issue. Um, I dive into, sometimes I do contract law and I have to review contracts from skilled nursing facilities for folks. Um, So I'm kind of a jack of all trades being an elder law attorney. (laughs) I have a little bit of knowledge about all these different um, practice areas, all under the big umbrella of an elder law attorney. Okay. You know, I'll be honest with you. A lot of times when attorney is involved in you know, when I'm involved, we're dealing with some, someone who has problems with um, their mentation. You know, the question is, are they competent to make law? Those are the, some of the, the, the things that uh, Eileen and I have talked about in the past. Um, you know, and I try to talk to patients about, and especially their children, to go ahead and get those things in place before we get to the stage that we're wondering if they are competent or not, because that puts in so many different layers about what you can and cannot do. 
Absolutely. And that's one reason I do um, recommend um, starting your planning earlier than retirement age, um, because you can get those kinds of things in place that you can keep um, building on that as you age. And so I, I commend you all for for stressing that with, with patients and, and their families, because it is very important. Because without those documents like powers of attorney and what have you, the only option we have is to pursue a guardianship. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to do guardianships. They're expensive, they're time consuming, and it involves the courts. And what exactly is a guardianship? What is a guardianship? Yeah, so a guardianship is um, the process by which you would go to the clerk of court's office. So you'd have to go to your county court and ask them for permission to be to be appointed to make decisions for somebody else. So someone who is has been determined is incapable of making decisions for themselves, the court can designate a person to make those decisions for that person. Okay. Well, today we are talking about, uh, well, I, I want to say the elderly, but I guess we really aren't talking just about the elderly. We're talking about life planning, I guess, more than anything else, and making putting things in place such that your life has a structure to it such that as as you get older there are things in place such so that if there are times that you have health issues if there are times that you want to make sure that your your uh, real estate your finances are in good control and you don't have to worry about them that you've done these types of things and we are very pleased to welcome to our microphones today mrs eileen mcginnis who's an old friend of the of it's a matter of your health uh who's helped us so much when we talk about alzheimer's and attorney michael castellaw who is an attorney with uh elder law firm and we're talking today about how to get these things in place we don't want you to wait to the last minute trying to get things in place. It really is important that you take the time to do this before we're at the the last minute. So, all right, I'm 65 years of, of age. I waited late. I got to protect my house. Somebody's trying to take it. And, 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 and I'll be honest with you, I talked to someone today who had that exact problem. They are... Uh, were married to someone who died and they did not take care of things and now the rest of the family is trying to take the home you know what what is she going to do well it sounds like she might she might have waited a little late to try to do anything um if the family is is pretty pretty adamant about trying to take over the property um and so that's that's why it's very important to start planning for those kinds of things early um and even if there could become a situation where you, know, you lose capacity or, or what have you, at least you would have a foundation in place and you would have someone who can help, um, even if you should have a diagnosis of dementia or Parkinson's or what have you, um, there are ways to kind of navigate that situation and protect the asset um, so that you don't find yourself in a dispute with family members who want to take over your property when they really shouldn't be having it. It's a sad situation, you know, when you see this happening. Uh, but those are the things that people, unfortunately, don't think about doing ahead of time. Um, she's now a widow of over two years, and now the um, the family is coming in. Her husband's family is coming in, wanted to, you know, take over the property and everything. Um, and it's a, a sad situation. So, Mrs. McGinnis, 
how can um, elder law help people with health care challenges? You know, uh, I'm living alone. I just broke my hip. What can you do to help me out? Well, that's a great question. And the reason why I joined the elder law firm. If you come into us, you tell us you have this situation, or your children come in, your sister, your brother, whoever it may be, you're in the hospital with your broken hip. So I'm talking to somebody who's related to you in some way. Um, We can actually focus on your health care concern, and then we build your legal fortress around that concern. So our focus and our main goal is twofold. First of all, we want to make sure that immediately you're okay, you're getting good care. And then secondly, what we want to focus on is how is that all affecting you? Do you have the ability to pay for your care? Do you have insurance? Those sorts of things. What's it going to look like at the end of the day after it affects your finances? And so a great conversation takes place uh, with me and Mike and the person who comes in to speak to us. And once we recognize what that chronic health care problem is, such as your broken hip, we look at how that's going to affect you tomorrow. We're very concerned about tomorrow. You're concerned about today. Well, we want to know that after you're taken care of in this episode, that you can continue to age in the same comfortable way that you were before you broke your hip. So it's our job to understand the totality of your health care situation. And then we write a care plan that's a living document, and it goes all the way through your life. And of course, because it's living, it's going to change. And it's going to stay up to date with whatever your health care concerns are as you age out. And so uh, Mike and I work together. We discuss what's going on. There are several meetings that take place over the course of this relationship. And uh, we develop the best care plan and the best set of legal plans to protect you and everything that you've worked so hard for in your life. So let me just ask you this. Uh When should this conversation start? Okay, I'm a school teacher. I've been teaching school for 30 years, okay? I'm still teaching. Should I have this conversation now, or do I wait until I retire to have this conversation with you guys? Well, I think Mike already told us all that we should start very early or as soon as we recognize that we're going to have a nest egg later on. And so it's important. I have a 40-year-old son. He's going to come into the firm and take care of his businesses. And um, so that any time in your life, it's important for you to come in. But it's not too late for you to come in when you break your hip and say, I already broke my hip and I need your help. And I have to say that often we're responding to a crisis. We're very good at that. Uh, Preparation is the key because you have the best protection and longevity. So before anything happens, it's the right time to do it. As soon as you know you're going to have a financial future and you want to protect that for yourself, before something happens to you or your loved one, 
that's the right time to come in. How do people decide? To, us. How do people decide about long care, uh, uh, long term? Uh, well, I guess it's long care insurance uh, that protects them as they get older. You know, what are the things that people should be looking for? Um, when they decide that they're going to get this type of insurance, is this an insurance that you that is recommended, or you know, there seem to be so many different types? And I've noticed uh, as I've gotten older that they've changed them. They're not as generous as they used to be. I'm, I'm holding on to my old one, you know. <laughs> they don't seem to be as generous as they used to be. Uh, you know, how does someone you know pick that out? Uh, and especially, say, somebody who's a 40-year-old who has no idea what the future may bring, how do they decide that they're going to even pick something like that out? Well, um, I think both Mike and I can answer this, to this question and have different perspectives. Um, some people have long-term care insurance. Not a lot. When somebody comes into us with long-term care insurance, there's a lot that we can do with that. I can provide help in the home. I can provide help in a long-term care setting. Wherever the person needs to be, that's where their insurance is going to protect them. But it doesn't have to be in long-term care. I can use the benefits from a long-term care policy to pay for a home care person to come in and take care of you before you need specialized care. Um, There are in uh, indemnity days with all of the policies, they're all different. And what does that um, mean in them days? What does that mean? Oh, uh, let's say uh, right now I have a client who has a indemnity of 180 days before the policy kicks in. So what that means is that we have to get them ready to use that policy moving forward. So in other words, I'll bring home care into the home and they will pay for that out of their finances. And the first 180 days goes towards the indemnity period of that policy. And then after that, their long-term care is going, insurance is going to kick in and protect them uh, in the ways that you want it to. And I think that Mike probably can answer a little bit more about the variety of policies and things like that because he sees a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um I think if anyone's looking at a long-term care insurance policy, I think it's great, um, especially if you are 40 and you can get it. Um, I know a lot of insurance companies have stopped offering them um, because they realize that, you know, these people are not paying a lot, a ton of money, but then the long-term care insurance company may end up paying a lot of money (laughs) later. Um, So a lot of companies have stopped. But some things I like to see in long-term care insurance policies is um, I like to see that they have an inflation rider, um, usually anywhere between 3 to 5% inflation. So that way the, the lifetime max of the policy will grow as inflation grows so that you're not locked into $300,000 and that's it. Because your care might be more expensive than $300,000 at that time. And so, and I, I understand that it, it, it can be very expensive to get those in place. We're talking maybe a few hundred dollars a month just to get a basic policy that may or may not have an inflation rider. And so it, sometimes it comes down to weighing, you know, the, the unknown of will I ever have a long-term care event versus do I want to make sure that I am protected regardless of if I have a long-term care event. 
and then depending on your financial advisor they might be able to do some creative things with hybrid um, long-term care insurance life insurance policies where you can purchase a life insurance policy that has a long-term care um, component and so that those those types of things are going to be specific to financial advisors so I usually recommend that you might work with an advisor um, who can who can offer some more um, context on that kind of um, policy um, I do think that they are worth the money it's, it is it comes down to a weighing of you know will I ever have a long-term care event do I want to have this in place if I ever do um, because some policies are if I never use it then I lose that policy so it, it does come down to weighing it um, and one thing I'll also mention about that is a uh, so most especially as we're, we're living longer most people are going to have some kind of long-term care event during their lifetimes um, it's just a reality of, of the world in which we live now. Um, and so that, that might take place, you know, at home. It might be a short stay in a rehab. And so having a long-term care insurance policy is probably better for us now where the likelihood of us having a long-term care event is greater. Okay. Okay. So let me just ask another question. It seems to me you got to have some resources in order to be prepared in the future, what about if you don't have resources? What about if you are on Medicare, Medicaid? You know, is this the type of planning that should be done, or can it even be done with those types of um, insurances? Well, with Medicare, we know that it pays for hospital-related charges and doctor-related charges. Um, As far as long-term care goes, Medicaid doesn't participate much in that unless it's in a rehab type of situation. So as long as you're getting better, Medicare will pay for it. And then you get to the, the limit of what they will pay for, and then you're going to be responsible for your charges. But does so it make if, sense to, to do this kind of planning if I don't have any resources? I guess that's what I'm really asking. It, it does. It does. It's important. Um, you do have to have a, an ability to be able to pay for the legal services because there are things that have to be built around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have any resources at all, you at least want to get yourself qualified for Medicaid. And that's what we're very, very good at. And so Medicaid will pay for long-term care in a skilled nursing facility. It will not pay for assisted living or memory care, not easily anyway. Um, There are some circumstances under which it will pay for uh, memory care, but it's very difficult to get that qualification. Most people don't qualify for it. And so um, as far as qualifying for Medicaid, it's a process. It's very involved. And we have a specialist in our office who is able to work very well to get her applications approved and get our clients on Medicaid and then let them move into uh, the long-term care that they need. Well, guess what? We are down to our last few minutes. It Time flies when you're having fun. It does. Uh, we have been real pleased today to welcome back to our microphones our longtime friend, Mrs. Eileen McGinnis, and our new friend, 
attorney Michael Castello. And we've been talking about elder law. And one of the things that we like to have you do as we end our conversation is gives us some words of wisdom. What words of wisdom would you like to leave with our audience on this subject? I'll give you both a minute. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start. So my words of wisdom would be it's never too early to start planning. Even if you don't have a ton of assets now, the very basic documents are powers of attorney. Um, Having those in place goes a long way to making sure that um, down the road that the right folks are in the right place at the right time. So I just think getting started sooner rather than later will save you a lot, save you and your families a lot of headache later, save them a lot of costs later. Um, and it'll make it much, much easier um, to, to manage if you ever do have a long-term care event in the future. And I will follow that up by saying that planning is so very important. But we do some of our best work in a crisis situation. So I don't want any of our listeners to think that we can't help them if the crisis has already begun. It's a lot easier if you come early. That way we're prepared for what's gonna happen in the future. But even when you're not, we're so experienced at what we do that we can respond at any time and give you the help that you're entitled to and that you need. Okay, well, we have been very pleased to welcome to our microphones today, Mrs. Eileen McGinnis, longtime friend of ours who's talked about Alzheimer's and now is a navigator, and our new friend, attorney Michael Castellaw. We've been talking about elder law. This is a, I won't say it's a new branch of um, law, is it? It's not a new branch. It's been around for a long time. No. But it's a a burgeoning branch, would you say? Would you say it's a growing branch? Because I I see more and more people tending to go ahead and do that early planning, which they need to do now which you keep talking about. And I hope people will take advantage because it's better to have something in plan than to get there and then you have nothing in plan and you have an emergency, even though, hey, I hear you got good at that. It's better just to have things in in, in place. And I see people every day who come in who we've not been able to get the families to do those kinds of things, to get things in place. So we encourage families to sit down, talk about, look at your your loved ones, see where they are, know how they're going to be taken care of in the future. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. And I'm sure I'll be calling you later for some more advice. We appreciate that. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's a matter of your health. It's brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System. Find It's a Matter of Your Health podcast wherever you get your podcast, and make sure to visit our website at www.drblandradio.com for past episodes, blogs, and more.